0: My alma mater has such a special place in my heart. I, I'm just so blessed that I found it. I went there. I had such an amazing experience. I had phenomenal professors who taught me so much more than just journalism.
1: This is A New Angle. And I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back. I'm excited today to be joined by Meg Oliver. Meg is an award-winning CBS News correspondent with more than two decades of journalism experience. She joined CBS News in 2006 as overnight anchor of Up to the Minute and correspondent for The Early Show and today reports for all CBS News programs and platforms. She has covered breaking news stories around the country and world, from terrorist attacks to devastating hurricanes. Meg remains actively engaged in service to UM. She is a past Dean Stone lecturer, a member of the Journalism Dean's Advisory Board, and a supporter of women's leadership programming at UM. Meg, thanks for coming on the show today.
0: Thank you, Justin. I'm happy to be here.
1: So tell us, before we get started here, tell us where you're from. Where did you grow up?
0: So I grew up in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, um, Bloomfield Township. And my dad was born and raised in Detroit. My mother was from Pittsburgh and they met in New York City and moved to Mm -hmm. Michigan to raise me and my two older brothers. Um, It was a great upbringing. I knew from an early age Fifth grade, actually, that I wanted to be a reporter. And my grandmother was asking all of the grandchildren, I'm from a very big Irish, Italian, Catholic family, and she was going down the line saying, I want one of my grandchildren. To anchor the six o'clock news, oh, I would wow. sit down and watch somebody. And she started at the top and went all the way down. And everybody told her, No, Graham, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And she never made it to me. And I, I, I'm in the middle of the pack. And I was like, That's a great idea. I love that idea. So I would go around with a notebook and interview my family. My dad would always sit down and let me go through ridiculous questions about his favorite color and everything. But um, the seed was planted early. And so that was, I was constantly looking for the best way to go about it. And after high school, I was looking at different universities and my cousin was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming at the time. And she reached out and she said, I know you want to go out of state and you want to do something different. There's this school, the University of Montana, And they have this great journalism program. It's this jewel in the Rockies. And all the professors go out there for quality of life um, after reporting maybe at the Network or the New York Times or the Washington Post. And so that's what happened. So that's how I applied. And so going
1: back to that that moment where your your grandmother sort of saying, I want somebody to anchor the six o'clock news. I mean, at that <laughs> moment of your life, was the six o'clock news a thing? Like did the family gather around the exactly. television and you know, the sort of iconic anchors of old?
0: Exactly. So Bill Bonds was a legendary anchor in Detroit. We always watched him. Amir um, Makeupson was another legendary anchor who I ended up, Reporting for later on when I made a, did a stint in Detroit. And it was a thing. I, I loved watching the news. I loved watching the reporters. I loved the storytelling. And my parents were always telling, we were talking about current events a lot. Um, you know, and watching Peter Jennings or when Oprah first started, that was an eye opening experience because she had been a reporter. Um, so, yeah, it was very exciting.
1: And so talk about the transition to Missoula. I mean, that has to be a big change coming (laughs) from suburban Detroit to, you know, this little town of Missoula, Montana in the Northern Rockies.
0: Culture shock. Let's just say that, culture shock. So we flew out, my mom and I flew out. And just to give you an idea, it's 1989 and we get to the airport and- it looked like the flight was delayed. And we said, hey, listen, I have to take a test for orientation the next morning. So if it doesn't look like we're going to make our connecting flight, please let us know. They assured us we'd make our connecting flight. We got to Minneapolis. Of course, we missed it. We told her behind the desk at the time, I don't know if a lot of people can relate to this, but we said, we're going to Missoula. And she took out a map. (laughs) She said, where? (laughs) (laughs) And I looked at my mom and I thought, where are we going? And so, the best she could do, she flew us into Billings. And then we took another hopper to Missoula and I landed. And I've told the story a lot, but I do, it was hilarious because we got off the plane and walked through the airport and there's the big grizzly bear that sure. greets you, right? And I was like, oh my <laughs> God, <laughs> there's three gates. And then, and it was a really cloudy day. And so, we get into, um, One of the students came out to pick us up and you couldn't see any of the mountains. And as we're driving down the highway, all you saw were these tractor dealerships. And I was like, where are the car dealerships? I'm from Detroit. What is this place? So um, I went through the first day. I was miserable. I cried like a baby to my mom at dinner. And then the next morning I woke up and it was a beautiful sunny day. And one of the advocates happened to be a J school Student And she took me under her wing. And it was love at first sight. After that, I, you know, we started talking journalism. You know, there was the M. You know, we were walking around campus. I, I couldn't get enough of it. And I always say it's definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made is, you know, going to U.M.,
1: yeah, that first impression we make from the airport on a cloudy day <laughs> with the inversion is not necessarily the best, but you know, thankfully you got that sunny day and uh, the hook was set. You talk about your experience here as a student in in the journalism program I mean, what were some of your formative experience that kind of shape, uh, shaped your career?
0: Um, you know, Bill Knowles was uh, my mentor and Joe Durso, and they were... So passionate about what they did. And then there was Gus Chambers and Ray Echness and all of these professors and teachers who really believed in you and wanted you to tell the best story. And I remember Bill getting mad at me one day because we went out to shoot this stand up. And as I was walking by his office, he's like, Get in here. And I was like, Oh God, what did I do? And he said, you've got to shoot this story differently. You know, I couldn't see you. you were too far away. And we need people to know who you are and to trust you. And I was like, oh, geez, he really wants me to do well. Like he yeah. believed in me. And it, it, that in in return, you became very confident. Um, and I remember my senior year, we were doing a short newscast that it was the cut in on TV, And there had been an alleged assault on campus the night before and we blew up the show we sat down in the studio and we talked about it and we said listen we can just go and do what we were supposed to do we can cover this breaking news and it was the most exciting thing I mean like so we everything got thrown up in the air we went out we got fresh interviews we're editing overnight and we stayed there all night to get this I don't know maybe three minute news section on on um on time and everything and it was just it was it was invigorating um there was a definite adrenaline rush you felt like a reporter early on hands on experience the editing when you when we first learned how to edit that was amazing um and you're out reporting i mean you're you're doing it you're not learning theory you're learning how to to interview and how to edit and how to write um it was fantastic i loved it
1: and so at that time, I mean, you came in with this dream of being a broadcast news anchor, and it seems like your experience here just sort of solidified that ambition to be in TV broadcast news and do the reporting and, and kind of follow the trajectory you followed. Is that right?
0: Yes. I mean, it, and it was really, um, you know, back then you sat down to watch the six o'clock news. So it was, it was a different experience for me. I went in knowing exactly what I wanted to do. And the business was different at that time. Now, as students are there, you know, they're looking at linear or nonlinear or digital, so many different things, or maybe developing a podcast. Um, I was lucky because they set me up ex- for exactly what I wanted to do. I had a, a resume tape when I walked out the door. I went and interned at Good Morning America the next summer. And I remember thinking the reverse happened. I got to the city. And I was like, wow, it's so crowded. And it's, yeah. you know, <laughs> I was like, I'd become like a Montana girl all of a sudden. I was like, I need I miss my space. Um, and I went back for homecoming and I think I think I ran into Gus Chambers in the hallway and he said, Hey, you know, Larry Frost is looking for a a part-time reporter on the weekend. And I was like, Great. And the next thing you know, I had an interview. I went out and did a story while I was back for homecoming. And I called my parents and I said, I got a job. And they were like, we just moved you back from (laughs) Montana and you're doing what? I'm like, oh, it's a great job. I'm a part-time reporter. I work Saturday and Sunday. And they were like, what are you going to do the rest of the time? I'm like, I'm going to work at the health club. I'll have a free gym membership.
1: Figure it out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was funny.
1: So talk about that. I mean, it, it, it would seem like a natural part of the progression is to move around a lot early career. Talk about those choices, you know, moving through different markets and, you know, how are you making choices during that time that kind of roll up into advancing in a career?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting because I remember Bill telling me early on that you had to be geographically flexible. And for me, that I was fine with that. I We also were taught there's nothing wrong with finding a great strong local market and making a home Um, at the, and some people would, let's say you would go from Missoula, Spokane, Seattle, end up in Seattle, great news town. Everything was great. Um, I, I never dreamed of making it to the network. That wasn't um, my main goal. It just kind of happened, but I did enjoy in the beginning, the market jumping. It was exciting and rewarding, I started off as a one-man band in Missoula, and then I got moved up to Steve Fettvite. It hired me up at KCFW Mm -hmm. in Kalispell, which I loved living in the the Flathead Valley. And I was a a one-man band. I became their anchor. I did everything except sweep the floor. And then from there, I went... To work at Northwest Cable News, and I did a, a a year in their Boise bureau, and then in Seattle. And when I was in Seattle, it kind of hit me that I, I really missed my family um, being so far away. So then I started trying to angle, trying to figure out a way, like how do I get back? I don't want to spend, I don't want to, you know, only see my family twice a, you know, maybe two weeks out of the year. So I started looking back, and I ended up going to Hartford for not very long, maybe eight months. Mm -hmm. And, um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and I moved home to Detroit and I was there, he was gone within nine months. And so I was so happy I had moved home for that time. And then I got to report in my hometown, which was never my goal, but I, I loved it because it was either something about reporting in your hometown, right? Um, there was a lot of pride and I'm a big sports fan. And so I was covering the Red Wings winning national, you know, winning the Stanley Cup and Tiger Stadium, the last game there before they moved to Comerica Park and just different things that was sure. it was fun. Um, but then after a while, the general assignment reporting, I, I got sick of it. Um, I felt like you could open your drawer, pull out a script if you were covering crime or whatever and just fill in the blanks. And so I was looking for something different and I, that was when I first got an agent and I told them, I said, look, I either want to specialize in something like consumer or health or maybe try my hand at anchoring. And so I got, I had a few different interviews and in, during this time I met my soon to be husband and we kind of like this quick love story. And um I said, listen, you know, I'm I'm looking for a new job right now. He's like, I can go anywhere. And I'm like, really? (laughs) That's the right answer. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, if you're if you're sure. (laughs) And so I had this offer to be the main anchor at in Fresno, California. And everyone was like, Fresno. And I was in love. And my husband and I we wanted to get we wanted to live in the same city before we got married. And so I was like, this is great. Let's go. And it was amazing. We loved it. Um, good friends of ours lived in San Francisco at the time. And that's, we actually, that's how we met at their wedding. Um, that's another interesting Montana connection. But um, yeah, so you know, I got the experience on the desk and then We were kind of right back in the same place. We were like, wow, we're really far from home still. His family was was from Oklahoma. And so we moved to D.C. and we set up shop and bought a house. And I was pregnant. And the network called. And they said, we have this job for you as an overnight anchor. We'd love to have you come up. And my husband literally was being sworn into the bar in D.C., As I was moving to, (laughs) as I was moving to New York, and he had already had to take the bar again when we moved to California. He was living in Houston at the time in Texas, and that's on him. I mean, that's our big joke. That I was like, you know, you said you could go anywhere, and you didn't research (laughs) that you needed (laughs) to take the bar again. So his his uh, business card is is pretty impressive on the back of where he's (laughs) where he can practice law.
1: And so to talk about that. Uh, well, I mean, the tidbit you mentioned in there is that you got the offer in New York when you were pregnant to be an overnight anchor. I mean, mm-hmm. a newborn child sort of has some similarities <laughs> to an overnight anchor job, I would imagine. So talk about how you balanced that. And, and now you have three children. Um, right. And maybe talk about how, how the, that balance um, kind of has panned out in your career.
0: So, yeah, I, I was 34. when New York called and it's, you know, the network's calling. It's kind of a dream gig. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember thinking, and I couldn't even tell them that I was pregnant because I was not very far along. And so when we moved up there, our schedule, I would go to work at 8.30 at night and I would start doing interviews at nine. And then we went live at 2 a.m excuse me. And so we'd go live at 2 a.m. The lights would come on and my daughter Maria would start kicking. just <laughs> She was like, oh, oh yeah. it's time to get up. And I'd be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was really, it was pretty surreal. But um, that was, we all laughed about that on the overnight shift. It was a very small staff. We were very close. And then I would get home at 4.30 and I would go right to bed go right to bed. I would wake up at 1230 and I would have the day. And so after Maria was born, it was, um, you know, around the clock breastfeeding and then getting up and coming home. And it was nuts. And We had a nanny that took care of her during the day. And then my husband would come home. We were like two ships passing in the night. He'd come in. We only lived three blocks from work, which we did purposely um, just to make sure we had time together.
1: A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success.
0: Hi, this is Anya Jabor, Regents Professor of History at the University of Montana, and you are listening to A New Angle. But we would spend time in the evenings and our dinners, and then we got used to it. It was really hard on the weekends trying to go back to you know, going to sleep at a certain hour. And I had two kids on that shift, uh, Maria and Tommy. And at the end of it, my husband at the time was working for an international firm and did a lot of international travel to Hong Kong and different places. And we sat down and we just, the next step for me at the network at that time was to be a correspondent who had a suitcase next door desk and next door bed. And I, and I just told, you know, we discussed it and I said, "I, I just can't do that. And so I stepped away, which was very difficult, and I went to work at ABC, and I worked more of a nine-to-five kind of gig, freelanced um, Monday through Friday, and then I would report for their weekend shows, which gave me more flexibility with the kids. And then um, I had my third child, and then CBS called um, out of the blue, and they said, hey, we just wanted to check in. Um, We have this new... 24 seven digital network. That's starting CBSN. And we thought maybe you want to do some freelance anchor work or would you like to come back? And I was at first, I was like, Oh geez, can I, can I do this? Um, you know, my youngest at the time was just starting preschool and I remember going in for the interview and I was so excited that I went back. It was really hard. I mean, it's still is hard to juggle everything, but I was so thankful to have the opportunity to go back um, to a network that I just absolutely love I love the people I work with. And, you know, there were so many people back there that were still there when I started. And it, it started as a freelance gig. And I told them, I said, I can do the the morning anchor shift any day of the week. I have to be home by two because your schedule would change every week. And I thought, you know, I, I can't go get a nanny and pay for that. You know, you have either go full time and I wasn't quite ready for that. But then it evolved and I they got rid of most of the freelancers. And they said, listen, you know, if you want to you know, stay, there's a, a full-time correspondent job uh, with Newspath, which is kind of like, um, it was a step below where I left. And that's, that's hard as a, as a working, as a woman to go back and your, your place isn't saved. Right. right. So I went back and um, my husband and I talked about it and he's like, just, just do it. You know, you'll be back at the network where you used to be, but it took a good, you know, Took a long time, and it took covering hurricanes back to back, and forest fires, and you know, leaving and flying here and there, and feeling like you're shot out of cannon. Um, and then you know, the payoff finally did happen, which was nice. But um, you have to work your way back if you take a step out of out of uh, your career. So,
1: yeah. And talk about within that. I mean, so many changes in the industry over the arc of your career. I mean, like we started this conversation, you had this sort of view of the iconic, you know, six o'clock news anchor, and that form has been under pressure probably since the moment you started studying journalism with the proliferation of, you know, 24-hour news networks and cable news and so many other variables. Talk about kind of um, your ride, you know, with the, with the network, but also in the midst of all this upheaval in the industry.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because our president talks about it quite a bit, Susan Zerinsky, and she always says, listen, this is, you know, our traditional newscasts, they're not going anywhere, but we have to evolve with the digital side and we have to evolve with these, we have a new, um, Paramount Plus is our new app yep. that came out and so there are so many more platforms now for us to pitch to and to be a part of, and so if we go out and we shoot a piece and we come back and we only get a minute thirty for it, and we have all this material, the suggestion now is like, "Hey, take this material. Let's try to, um, you know, cut a different version or run a longer version here, or let's go on CBSN and talk about it some more." I mean, so there's you just have to use your material in different ways, um, which is an exciting way to look at it. Because I have a story that's supposed to air tomorrow, and it's a three-minute piece on teachers getting vaccinated, and we probably have 10 more minutes worth of material. And we're already discussing, like, do we give the weekend news a longer version, or do we go on CBSN? Can they do an hour? Do we go somewhere else? So it is, it's is—it's evolving, and I think the students that are graduating now are probably so well prepared to go into this, and and we learn. I learned so much from them, um, but the traditional storytelling. I think there will always be a place for that, um, especially at CBS News. I mean, that's what we're all about. Sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had not even thought of that possibility. Of you know, you 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 do a piece of reporting, and then you can package it in so many different ways to so many outlets. You maybe talk about. That decision-making process, like, are you pitching your stories to all of these outlets or, you know, is some editor deciding kind of how to slice and dice what you've come up with? How does that work?
0: Well, yeah, and that's, that's the interesting thing. Um, so when I'm working, so I'll work with a producer and they'll be like, Hey, here's our, the version we want to run and we know it's going to get cut down. So let's cut that and save it. And we'll tell the editor, like, let's offer this up to somebody else. Sure. Or let's go to SAPMO CBS This Morning Saturday, and say, hey, we have this amazing piece. Can you run a longer version? Now, if you do a story for them, you can go five to six minutes. Um, the evening news, you're lucky if you get a minute 20. And then on CTM, you're hoping, CBS This Morning, you're hopefully going to get at least three minutes to tell a piece. But um, CBSN has all the time in the world. So you can pitch different things. The problem is they don't have the ability to edit um, with the rest of the network. That's, a, that's been a challenge. And so we're slowly getting up to speed with that. Um, they just did an hour long special on schools and reopening and all these different things. And I've been covering the education beat extensively since the pandemic hit. And so they reached out and I said, Hey, can you do another piece for us? And I said, sure. I, I'm, I can kind of take the material that I'm using for another piece and then I'll, I'll get some fresh material for you. I'll, I'll zoom with some other people and then we'll put it all together. And, and, and who do you have? <laughs> they're like, Hmm, let's find somebody. It's a, you know, you make it work. It's a collaboration.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And you mentioned zoom and, you know, one of the interesting pieces of pandemic is if you watch the news at all, you're seeing the homes of so many of our favorite reporters and, <laughs> and um, Yeah, talk about how pandemic has has affected and changed your job and how you connect with sources and build rapport and and all those sort of pillars of, you know, relationship journalism.
0: Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because a year ago this week, I was talking with one of the senior producers at CTM and she said, we want you to do this story on remote learning. It looks like the country is going to be doing this for the next two weeks. And we we were laughing. And I said, well, that's funny because I'll have three kids doing it in my house. Why why don't we just do a live shot inside my house? And she's like, oh, I like that idea. She's like, send me a picture of your house. And we had just moved four months before. I didn't have a picture on the wall. I had nothing. So I was sending my husband down to the basement. I'm like, let's at least put up a picture here (laughs) because we knew we were going to do this whole renovation. So the crew comes in, sets up. We do the live shot. And then literally the next day, nobody was allowed to go into anyone's house. You know, everything changed so fast. Um, And then I went up to the third floor. We have this uh, guest room and I was trying to figure out how to do a Zoom. Actually, I started with Skype and then I was trying to figure out how to do a Zoom. And then I was having my husband in between his work, taking cell phone video of me as a cutaway. I mean, we were trying to figure out everything. He was so proud of his work. Um, You know, we didn't have lights or we didn't know how to light ourselves or any of this stuff. And then I finally set up a little studio that I felt pretty good about. And then this construction completely took it away. So now I just move from room to room. Um, I'm in our master bedroom right now talking to you with the computer on the bed. But you mentioned that you asked something about sources and cultivating sources. And that has been the best part. Of this it's a silver lining for me they have um, they've kind of kept us in zones in a way I don't know if it's intentional or anything it just so happens that I have a producer who lives in the same town we have a few different crews that happen to be based in New Jersey so and then we have different correspondents that live in New York City so I have kind of taken it upon myself especially on this education beat cultivating sources um, is a lot easier when you're working at beat, Um and across the country like I'm very good close with the superintendent in Philadelphia and now in Cleveland and um, I have different teachers that I speak to in LA quite a bit or Texas um, Newark New Jersey and, and that that never would it just wouldn't have been possible before because you're spending so much time commuting into the city and and going all over the place and now just kind of honing in on one. Topic has been has been really enjoyable.
1: Do you think some of those some of those benefits will endure? Like so, some of the way the industry is traditionally structured, you know how it deploys resources will, will will persist after pandemic.
0: I think so. I know, speaking just personally, with three children learning all remotely, there's no way I could go back. And I've told this to my both my bosses. I, there's no way I could go back to community into the city. And take care of them Um, because we intentionally don't have a babysitter or somebody come in just for fear of exposure in terms of, you know, I have a colleague who got COVID and she's quite sure she got it from her nanny, you know, coming in and out. So that's definitely been a blessing that I'm here with my children on a daily basis and I can um, help them through all remote, although it's extremely tough. And seventh grade algebra was never my strong suit. And I'm going through it again, (laughs) which is just a killer. But I did make the honor roll last semester. So I'm very proud of that. Thank you. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think I would have been one of those casualties uh, if I had to go back to doing what I was doing. And I probably would have had to stay home. And there's so many women who've had to step out of the workforce. Um, But we're able to make this work because I basically launch from my house. And if I have to make it to an airport, it's, you know, half an hour away, but I can get in the car and go anywhere and do anything. Um, So that part works very well.
1: Yeah. Maybe talk about some of the the nuts and bolts of a day. I mean, we were scheduled to record a couple of days ago. You had a story (laughs) assigned and it kind of just, it it took over the day. Um, You know, talk about that and, and maybe situate it in, you know, I know you don't like, Cover the White House necessarily, but like, has the news cycle changed with the new administration and a president who's not on Twitter all the time? Like, how, how's the mood in the industry shifted in the last four or five months?
0: Well, I would say when we're on our conference calls and it's time for our bureau chiefs out of DC to speak, there's they still have a lot of material, but yeah. it certainly doesn't go on as long. <laughs> it does seem like we've kind of come down a little bit. Um, I covered the white house in the beginning of Trump's presidency. And it was just, I I had to fill in for somebody and I was down there for, I think a week and I went into the press briefing room and I'll never forget this producer telling me like, we never know what's going to happen. He, he might step in here unannounced. He might not. And then all of a sudden he announced a press gathering and it was somewhere else. Um, at the white house and literally people are jumping over chairs and trying to scrambling to get there and who's the pool camera, what's happening. And I'm like, what is going on? They're like, it's never been like this. We always get a courtesy of (laughs) it's going to be in 15 minutes or it's going to be in 20, but never like in five. So that intensity, I think there's a little people have maybe exhaled just a little bit. Um, It's not as chaotic. Um, But here the workflow for me, I, I never know what the day is going to bring. We do what's called a COVID wrap uh, for the evening news every night, which we've been doing for a year. So if you're assigned the COVID wrap, your day is um, rather stressful because you're covering everything under the sun in maybe two minutes uh, for the evening news and trying to gather from across the country. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, otherwise I'm working on pieces for CBS This Morning or evening News farther out. Um, and if you can get a day or two to report on something like that in a thoughtful manner, it's great. Um last Thursday I had a live shot in Newark, New Jersey. I did a story on high school students who have been forced to return, actually forced just to get a job to help their parents um, who've lost their jobs during the pandemic and how they're juggling and their mental health is struggling. And so when I was done with that. I drove four hours um, up to North Andover, Massachusetts to shoot this other story. And I had to drive four hours back the same day because we were going to be short on correspondence the next day. Um, and I just had to be in New York. So, but I wanted to do this story. So there are days like that that are insane. And then there are other days that are a little bit more manageable. So it, it just runs the gamma.
1: Sure. So, Meg, in our remaining time, I'd love to pivot the conversation back to the University of Montana. You've been so highly engaged in service to UM since graduating, You're serving on the Dean's Advisory Board and giving the Dean Stone Lecture, and many other things with women's leadership, etc. Um, talk about your, you know, the, your reasons for giving back to your to your alma mater.
0: My alma mater has such a special place in my heart. I. I'm just so blessed that I found it. I went there. I had such an amazing experience. I had phenomenal professors who taught me so much more than just journalism, but also how to deal with um, the stress that was going to come with the job talking about, you know, don't marry somebody in the business. <laughs> that was always a, a big joke. Um, my cousin, who's also actually a reporter, married somebody in the business. And I'm like, you're not supposed to do that. Right, right. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. And they're happily married and doing very well. But um, there's just there was just such a sense of peace there. Um, and I, I, I don't know how to describe it, really. It was um, just one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I I loved being on campus. I loved the people I met. I love the state. And it's just, there's no place like it. Um, it really, yeah, there were some students that I went to school with that their parents let them choose if they wanted to go out of state for the first year. And the majority of them, they all came back um, to go to UM. And they're like, there's just, eh, we were missing out. And this is where we wanted to spend our time. And I was like, yeah, why would you ever leave here? Um, and when I did leave, I mean, I was like, kicking and screaming for the, my next job because I loved Montana so much and I love returning. Um, and I can't wait to bring my kids. That's the, the hope for uh, next fall for homecoming. I really want to share it with them.
1: Indeed. We look forward to that. Speaking of, you know, younger folks, what advice would you have to students who are maybe listening to this and thinking, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to kind of do what Meg's done how would you sort of advise students to take advantage of their time here on campus?
0: I think it's such a special place and I think the your access to your professors is just so important and I, I think their door was always open for me and I took advantage of that and I spent so much time talking with them and sitting down with them and you really feel like it, I think since it's a smaller school, you feel a sense of community and you feel support and I just think there's um, Yeah, there's just a sense of camaraderie there that you're all looking out for each other. I did the documentary my senior year, and I'm quite sure every journalism student feels the same way, but that doc unit is a bonding experience. And you get to travel the state and cover a certain topic. Uh, It's an hour-long documentary. And it's experiences like that, that you're coming out of the University of Montana with that other students don't have. I mean, a good friend of mine who's in the business that I went to high school with, after she graduated from her university, she basically just learned theory. And then she had to go out and get an internship to learn how to do it. Whereas I I graduated with a resume, you know, a tape in hand, a reel, ready to go.
1: Yeah. And the results show, Meg, it's been wonderful getting to know you and learn more about your career and choices and work. And uh, yeah, thanks for all you do for the University of Montana. And thanks for waving the flag so proudly.
0: Oh, thank you, Justin. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. We're coming to you from Studio 49 generous gift of UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hanson. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business, with additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors and Drum Coffee. AJ Williams is our producer, VTO Jeff Amet and John Wicks made our music, and Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about it. Thanks a lot. See you next time.